Welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so excited that you join us today. And wherever you're listening from or whenever you're listening to this, we hope that you are encouraged. And if you ever want to join us in person, you can always join us at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. But we love you and we hope that you're encouraged today. Welcome back. If I have not gotten to meet you, my name is Stephanie. I am one of the pastors here at Oasis. And we are so excited to be in week two of the Holy Bible. So I didn't, you know what? Listen, even your pastors forget their Bible sometimes because in the mornings, I'm getting the kids ready. I'm getting myself ready. I'm getting breakfast. I'm feeding breakfast and I have ADHD. So I can only do so many things at one time. And my Bible did not make the list. Therefore, it did not make it in my car. It did not make it here, but Clint brought his, so. I have a Bible up here. Last week, we talked about our hope for you. Our hope for you is that you will love the Bible, learn the Bible, and live the Bible. But we know that you can't do that without knowing what the Bible is all about. Thank you, Dad. Appreciate it. Listen, my dad, he made me hot water. He ran to my house and got something for me today. Thank you. Can you give my dad a round of applause? Thank you, Dad. I appreciate it. Um, So... We want all of those things for you. But in order for all of those things to happen, we understand that you need to understand what the Bible is all about. So that's my hope for you today is to leave knowing if you watered the Bible, or not watered the Bible down, if you condensed the Bible into one phrase, what is it all about? That's what we're gonna get to today. We have to cover a lot of ground. So I need you guys to bear with me. I got notes for y'all. So if something goes too fast on here, you got it in your notes, okay? Um, Last week... We learn a memory verse. Does anybody remember it? (laughs) Okay, okay, I'll do what I do with my kids. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119.105. Listen, listen, listen. listen. We have four-year-olds that memorize verses longer than this. Robin can attest. So we can do it. We can do it. We We have brain cells, okay, guys? We can do this. All right. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Okay, so that was last week. This week, we have a new one. Are y'all ready? We're going to add on to it. You can go to the next one. Okay, say it with me. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. Okay, we're going to say it two more times. I need it to be louder. All right. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. Okay, I'm not going to say it this time. You guys start. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. Okay, now take it off, Ryan. Okay. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. Yeah! Woo-hoo! Okay, great. We're going to take the first half of the message. It's going to be looking at that verse because I think that verse is huge for you guys. We have a little illustration my dad was so kind to help me with. So we have some hot water and we have a tea bag. In this illustration, this is you. This is your soul. This is everything inside of you, who you are, okay? This tea bag is the word of Christ, all right? So when you come to church and you hear these just incredible messages every single Sunday, life-changing, you dip and you dip and you dip. And do you think that that's tea? 
No, like we're not ready to like pop some honey in there and call it good, right? Or some sweet tea, or what, I, don't, I don't even know how to make sweet tea. I hate tea. So this isn't a, I hate tea, but this is a good example. So bear with me. Okay, so there is a little bit of change, right? There's a little bit of change, but in order for this water to turn into tea, what do you have to do? You gotta let it soak. You gotta let it dwell richly, right? So that is what we want the word of Christ to do for you guys. We want it to dwell richly inside of you. So the first part of this message today is we're gonna look at three different ways that you can dip to let the word of Christ dwell in you. And listen, listen to that first word. You have to let You have to let it dwell in you richly. It's there. It's got the power. It wants to be in you, but you have to do something to let it dwell in you richly. So there's three ways, and these are things that we want you guys to do, not be like, oh yeah, that's cool. Like, that's good, but like, do them, okay? And this is a super, this whole message is super practical. It's almost like educational, okay? So just, it's gonna be great. I'm excited. So we talked last week about getting a paper Bible, did anybody get a paper Bible this week? I'm just curious. It's okay if you didn't. Okay, I know that we bought, a, we bought a book for somebody, which makes me super excited. But we want you guys to have a paper Bible, but we want it to go one step further. This week, our first dip is get a paper Bible in a translation you like. Get one in a translation you like. And if you walk in, we talked about the Christian Publishers Outlet. If you walk in, they have... I mean, hundreds of different Bibles, all different translations. There are some translations that I'm like, I have never heard of that before. Like, excuse me. And so I wanted to take just a second and kind of um, boil down translations, where they came from, what they are, what they mean, so that you can be educated whenever you go in. Or if you already have a translation you like, you have knowledge like to talk to other people about it. You understand where they came from, okay? So I looked on the Bible app on our phone and it has 70 English translations, which is wild, 70 English translations. And sometimes people are like, well, those translations clearly mean that the Bible is watered down. Like, how can you trust any of them? Because it's just been translated so many times and it's not what the Bible actually means. But you have to remember the Bible was not written in English. It has to be translated. And so these aren't like, it wasn't like the King James Version was translated back in the 1600s and every translation since then has just been like looking at that and making it modern. That's not how it is. Translations are translated from the manuscript of the original Bible, which was written in Hebrew and Greek and some Aramaic, but like that's what it was written and we have to translate it. And so there's different ways of translating it and that's what the translations are. Also, I just saw this and I need to like address it. I did not have a bad self-tanning experience. I cracked walnuts and I used gloves and it's still on my hands and it's on my face. And that's, that's what that is. I don't have chocolate on my face, just so everybody knows. If you were like, what is that? It's walnut. Um, so we have 70 translations because we speak English and we are blessed and we live in America Look it up, okay. Um, But that's not the case. When I was writing this message this week, I looked it up and there are 3,624 people groups in the world that don't have a single word of the gospel written in their language. Not a single word translated of the Bible into their language. And so you guys, because of your generosity, we got to be a part of finishing two translations. Because of y'all's generosity, we were able to be able to, to donate and be a part of finishing two translations. So 
Through you guys, there are now 16,000 people in Papua New Guinea and Cameroon, Africa, who are going to have the word of God in their life because there's a, there's a company called Illuminations or a nonprofit called Illuminations, and that's what they do. They're translating, and they are trying to make this number zero. They want there to be nobody in the world that doesn't have access to the, the Bible. So we got to be a part of that, but we are blessed. We are English speakers. We have 70, which is a lot, but really they're broken down into three kinds. So the first we have formal equivalency. Formal equivalency just means that it's literally word for word. Like you see a word in Hebrew, you translate it to English. You move on to the next word, you translate it into English. You move on to the next word, you translate it into English. So King James is a good example of that. Um, Clint was like, I don't know. And it, it, it was translated into English in their grammar, in the English that they spoke in the 1600s, which is why it sounds so crazy to us. Um, it came along and then the new King James version started, which I am grateful for because they took out all the these and the thous and the arts and the isn'ts and all of that stuff that I don't, I don't know how to read. And then the new American Standard Bible and the English Standard Version are two, these two are much easier to read even than the new King James Version. These are easy to read and they are word for word translations. Um, so if that is important to you, if that like exactness is what you're looking for, you're gonna wanna look for a formal equivalency. If you want something that's really easy to read, you're probably gonna want something that's called functional equivalency or dynamic equivalency. So these aren't word for word, but they are thought for thought. Um, it is the good news translation slash, what does TEV mean? I'm sorry, I, made, I have it in my actual notes. The today's English version, those are, those are the same thing now, but those are a good one. And then new living translation, which is what we teach from a lot because we feel like it's the easiest to understand, the easiest to, to tell stories through. Um, we love the New Living Translation. And then the NIV, that's what we grew up reading. That's what the kids use. It's also really great. And it's, it's a little bit of both. Parts of it have been written word for word. Parts of it are written thought for thought. So that's a really great option. That's also really to, uh, easy to read. Um, the last of the three main categories is called paraphrases. So paraphrases are the living Bible and the message. And listen, these get a bad reputation because people are like, those aren't the word of God. But listen, they've never claimed to be actual, like literal translations. They are exactly what they've claimed to be. They're paraphrases. They've taken English translations and they've rewritten it to be easier to understand. They paraphrase it. So where the new, the new NIV would say, let us enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. They would be like, hey, let's go to church and praise God together. Like, it's just, it's easier to understand, okay? Um, and I wanted you, <laughs> I wanted to show you specific examples of all three so that you see what, what I mean, okay? Um, so 1 Corinthians 13, 4 in the King James Version. Oh, wait, no, the King James Version. Did I not put it on there? Go back one. There we go. Well, now you know what it really is, but that's okay. Um, okay, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. I don't even know what vaunteth means, but it's in there. And so this, the word charity, the actual word in the Bible is agape, which means like a special God kind of unconditional love. And in the 1600s, that, that made them think, 
Charity, of course, which that's not what we say now, but that's okay. And then suffereth long, the, the word is actually just patient, but they wanted to be like frilly and fancy. So they said, suffereth not. Um, and so I'm so grateful that the NIV came along because this is what it is in the new international version. It's just love is patient. <laughs> love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. So the, that's just a different translation of the same original words. And then the message has taken the, new, uh, the NIV and has said this. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. So that's just an example of one verse in three different ways. So there's a ton of different options out there for you guys, but it, the most important thing is that you find a, a translation that you enjoy reading because we want you to get the word of God in you every day. And like Pastor Clint said last week, we live in grace. So if you're in a Bible reading plan and you miss a day, don't make it up. Don't make it up. I cannot tell you how many times I have gotten stuck in that and just gone, never mind. I'll go back to like what I was doing before. There was one time I was trying to read the whole Bible in 60 days. And I think I missed like two or three days on vacation. And I was books of the Bible behind, like entire books. And I was like, I'm never catching up. So you don't have to catch up. Just, just stop and then keep going. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, okay? So just get some of the word of God in you every day. And so the second dip you're gonna take is to get a study Bible. Go one more step deeper into God's word. There are a ton of different study Bibles out there. I have a real, the, the thing is they're kind of big. Like you probably don't wanna like carry them around. Ryan, do you have yours with you tonight? Or today? No, because it's so heavy, right? It's like, I have one that's like, I mean, this thick, it's, it's double this. But they're great to be able to dig a little bit deeper without having to have any fancy other resources. And they have all different kinds. Like there are life application study Bibles. I think Pastor Clint talked about that last week. So it'll have a little like A next to this verse and you go down and read A and it talks about how to apply that scripture to your life. So if you read the Bible and you're like, well, that's cool, but what does that mean for me? That's a great option for you to get because it can really help you understand the Bible more. Um, there's also one, I think that this is the next one that I wanna get. It's like a cultural studies Bible. <laughs> Christiana's like, yes. It tells you like what's going on in the world, like what's going on around the people writing or whenever Paul is writing to the Corinthians, what's happening in Corinth? Like what is he actually addressing? Like it, it brings the Bible to life in a really cool and unique way. Um, but then there are like more niche ones. Like John Maxwell has a leadership Bible. So if you are in any sort of leadership, that's cool because it takes truth from scripture and he draws leadership principles out of it. So that's a cool option. And then there's just plain study Bibles where you can just see, it'll have references. Like when Jesus says, it is written, you're like, where is it written? Like it's gonna show you where is it written in the Old Testament and you can reference it and go back and see how the Bible is all connected because we're gonna get to that in a minute. It's all connected. Um, and listen, if you really want the word of God to change you from the inside out, you have to start, you have to apply it. And a really great way to do that 
This is the third dip. Get in a small group. If you're tired of us talking about small groups, get used to it because we're never gonna stop talking about small groups because they are that important to us. Because then not only are you reading the word of God, you're studying the word of God deeper, but then you're discussing the word of God with other people. So we, they're a little bit, little bit uh, wonky today because the people who lead our group have COVID. So it's just never gonna end. You know, guys, COVID, I keep thinking, oh, we're over it. And then it just keeps affecting the world. It kills me. But we have small groups going every single week that are easy to get into. The ladies group, we're just talking about the sermon. So there's no prep. Like there's nothing you have to study. There's nothing extra you have to do. You just listen to the sermon and show up. And this last Monday, we had the best time talking about like lies we've believed and like fun stuff, like what's going on on Netflix. Like it's fun, it's good. And we get to talk about Jesus together. So get in a small group. Proverbs says that iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. And that's what we're doing in small groups. That's another way to dip deeper. And look at this, guys. We left this alone for a little while. Thank you. Yes, it is tea. I was about to ask, is it tea? You've already answered the question. Is this tea now? Enough for the, for the illustration, it's tea, okay? The, the water wasn't as hot as it could have been. But yes, this is tea. This, it smells like tea. I'm not gonna taste it because I hate tea, but I promise you it tastes like tea. I would gag if I did it. Um, because the tea was dwelling richly, the water is forever changed. Do you guys get that? Because the tea was in the water, because the water let the tea sit there and dip and dip and dip and soak and soak and soak, the water will never be water again. It is tea because the the word of God changes you from the inside out, okay? So that's the first half. We want you guys to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Those are three ways to do it. Now we get to talk about what the message really is. This, is. this is really the message. What is the Bible all about? What is it all about? It's important for you to understand this because understanding something is really like the foundation of a relationship, right? I'll, okay, so Clint and I have known each other for 21, 22 years, something like that. We met when we were, we were not that old. We met when we were really young. <laughs> and... You want to know his first words to me? Shut up. Those were his first words to me. (laughs) Shut up. So do you think that I was his biggest fan at first? No, heaven forbid he tell me that I was talking too much in church. Please. Me? Never. I was perfect. No, I'm joking. I probably was talking too much and too loud, but he took it upon himself to turn around and go, shut up. I was like, I don't like that guy. But then... We took some time, we spent time together. I got to know him, I understood him more, and eventually I loved him. That understanding him was the foundation of our relationship, and that's what you have to do. You have to understand the Bible in order to love the Bible, because I don't think that you're gonna commit to what we're asking you to commit to if you don't understand the Bible. You're like, okay, cool, whatever. But if you spend time with it and you understand God's word, you're going to fall more in love with it, but there has to be that basic understanding. So really, I need like a long time to explain what the Bible is really all about, and I have 18 minutes. So we're gonna fly through it, okay? 
First off, the Bible was written over a span of 1,600 years in over a dozen countries on three continents by around 40 people in three different languages. It was written by poets, by prophets, farmers, kings, soldiers, shepherds, princes, priests, historians, fishermen, tax collectors, scholars, businessmen, and doctors. It was written in caves, on ships, in palaces, in prisons, and in deserts. And all of this is probably leading you to one question. How did they end up with the same story? How are there no contradictions? How did all of those people over all of those years and all of those places come together with one story? And it's it's easy. The answer is easy. There's only one author in the Bible. And the author is God. There's just one author of the Bible and the author is God. He chose to write through people. And we're gonna talk in just a second about how it really is just one story. The Bible says that all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That means that the Bible speaks to your marriage. It speaks to your friendships. It speaks to your job. It speaks to wisdom. It speaks to how you rest. It speaks to your finances. It speaks to all of those things. And that's why it's important for you to be dipping into it regularly because just Sunday morning isn't enough because it's available to you and can speak to all of those things. And we want you to have it dwelling in you richly because it will thoroughly equip you for every good work. So the first thing I want you to understand is the Bible is one story written by God through men that's there to equip you for every good work. Secondly, sometimes it's hard to understand why the Bible is grouped the way it is. I said it's one story because it is, but really it's 66 individual books all put together into one book. And it's, it's not um, categorized or grouped by like chronological order. There are Bibles you can get that are chronological that go exactly when things happened, but just the average Bible, Genesis to Revelation, isn't that way. And sometimes it's really confusing because you can be reading and be like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, where did this come from? So I wanted to give you a quick flyby of how the Bible is categorized. So the first five books of the Bible, Genesis to Deuteronomy, are books of law. And listen, if you start a one-year Bible reading plan and it starts you in Genesis, the first few months are real hard because it is hard to get through the books of law. You're like, why do I need to know about like essentially pipe and drape in this? Like, why, why am I reading about all of these weird food laws? Like there is the, the Bible is alive and active and it will never return void. So just keep pressing through. But the first five books of the Bible are all law. Then the next 12 books of the Bible, Joshua through Esther are about history. That's the history of God's people, the history of Israel. They're all of their captures and going away from God and kings and all of those things are in history books. And when you read them, you're like, oh, this is crazy. The Bible's got some crazy stories in it, guys. It got people killing people with like the jawbone of a donkey, donkeys talking, like all sorts of, I, I wouldn't want to know a donkey in the Old Testament. It's crazy. Um, so the next five books after Esther, Job, 
through Song of Solomon are actually poetry. So when you read those, sometimes it can be confusing. If you're trying to read them literally, it can be confusing because they're poetry. They're artistic. They've, they've changed things to sound better. Like the, it's the word of God, but like the, the authors wrote it in a more like fancy matter or manner. And so you need to know that that's actually poetry. Um, it's important to, to how you read it. Then the next 17 books of the Bible, the the rest of the Old Testament are books of prophecy. These are books that prophets wrote or or that that were written about the prophecy of God in the Old Testament. So the first five, Daniel, Isaiah through Daniel are major. And then the next 12, Hosea through Malachi are minor. When I was growing up, I thought that the major prophets were more important than minor prophets, that they were like bigger deals than minor prophets. And it wasn't until my 30s that I learned that's not the case at all. So I'm going to share it with you. It just means that the major books are longer. That's all. That's all it means (laughs) that they are longer than the minor prophets. They are all of equal importance, equal value to the word of God. So there you go. If you leave with nothing else, now you know what major and minor prophets mean. Um, Then between Malachi and Matthew is 400 years of silence. Sometimes people call it the the blank page space, right? The, The blank page between the last page of Malachi and the first page of Matthew. There were 400 years where there were no words from God. There were no prophets speaking messages from God. But those 400 years had to pass because everything had to be laid into place for Jesus to come and fulfill everything from the Old Testament. This was the time of Alexander the Great and the rise of the Roman Empire. During those 400 years, huge puzzle pieces were put into place for Jesus to come and do what God always knew he was gonna come and do. So then we start the New Testament with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the Gospels. Those are four accounts of the same story. Get that straight. Jesus lived one life. He had one story. Those are four people's eyewitness accounts to to Jesus's life and how he led and what he taught. So that's what the books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are. If you've never read the Bible, John is a great book to start in. Just write that down. The next book of the Bible is Acts, and it's a history of the church. Like the church that we sit in today started in the book of Acts, and it's a history of what happened. How did it go from 12 people to what it is today? Where did it start? What was going on? And then this next set of books could really be split like into Acts. And it is in chronological Bibles. Like it's really cool the way that it works because you'll be reading about David's life in 1 Samuel. And then the next page, you're reading a Psalm that he wrote. Like you'll be reading about David hiding from Saul in a cave. And then you flip the page and you read what Daniel wrote while he was in the cave hiding from Saul. Like it's so chronological Bibles are super cool. This, the next, the epistles would do the same thing into Acts because the epistles is just a fancy church word for letters. These are letters that were written to early churches or early servants in the church, Romans through Jude. Um, and so the same thing would happen. You would be reading about the, the church in Corinth in the book of Acts, and then you would have a, you know, section from like first or second Corinthians of what uh, Paul was writing to. So chronological Bibles are really great to kind of get a bigger picture of what was going on in the Bible. 
And then the Bible ends with Revelation, which is a prophecy of the last days and eternity. And listen, if you've not read the Bible a lot, this is not a good place to start, okay? It is not a good place to start. Our, our boy Reuben is back in the back, and I remember when he started reading, he would be like, Mom, I read about a dragon in the Bible. And I was like, okay, let's not read Revelation, okay? <laughs> like, it was a lot. Um, so that's not a great place to start, but it is in the Bible, it is important, and those days are going to come to so that's that's how it's all put together and you might be sitting there like but what does it mean what does it mean what's it all about so we're gonna look at something that pastor chris hodges from church of the highlands made that he has given people to share and i think it's beautiful to see it it shows the whole bible we're eventually going to get to the whole bible in one slide and how the old testament mirrors the new testament and about how it was so um perfectly written. It really, really emphasizes that it's all one story. So first, in the book of Genesis, God and righteous people are in paradise. God and the people that he created are living in a perfect world. The beginning of Genesis, they are righteous on their own because God created them righteous, okay? But then in Genesis 3, Satan and sin enter into the picture. And listen, It hasn't changed from Genesis 3 until today. When Satan and sin enter the picture, chaos and separation from God come. In our lives today, it's the same. When sin enters our lives, chaos and separation from God come. Then the next, after Satan and sin enter, chaos happens and the world is judged and destroyed. That's the book of Noah, or not the book of Noah, excuse me, the story of Noah in Genesis. God is like, okay, I'm I'm gonna start over basically. But then you know what? We're still sinful people and we still think that we know better. And so they try a one world government system. They're like, we're gonna get together and we are going to be God. We're gonna build a tower so high that we're gonna reach heaven in the Tower of Babel. And God goes, no. Nope, 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 nope. And he, he makes them all speak different languages. And that's how we get the term babble, like babble like a baby, because they couldn't understand each other. He gave them all different languages so they couldn't work together anymore. And the Tower of Babel didn't happen. But they went, we can do this, God. We know better than you. So God said, no, I'm gonna set up my order. So God's first order was the 12 tribes of Israel. And these were God's holy people. And that's where we get like the the 10 commandments there's lots of laws like the whole book of the law is written to these people but the problem is that it was all outside like outside rules it dealt with our actions and that never changes anybody because nobody can be made holy by what they do or don't do and so that didn't work then enter in jesus Jesus is at the top and the center because, spoiler alert, Jesus is what the Bible is all about, okay? Jesus came and he lived his life and God set up a new order. He set up a new order of, from the 12 disciples, the church, and now we get to be God's holy people and we are redeemed and we are righteous because of what Jesus did and the work that the Holy Spirit does inside of us. But just because we're like that doesn't mean that the world is okay with it. And there, I think this is where we're living right now. Our world is going, hey, we got this. We don't really need God. We can do this without God. 
we don't need his help, which is eventually going to lead to what Revelation has to say. The world is going to be judged and destroyed again. This is not like a doomsday sermon, but it's, it's in the Bible. It's going to happen. But there is good news because when it happens this time, Satan and sin are gonna exit. They're gonna be gone. Satan gets thrown into the pit and we get to rule and reign with Jesus for the rest of eternity because now God and his redeemed people are together in paradise. We're not righteous on our own, but we're redeemed because of what Jesus did on the cross. So I want to dig into grammar a little bit. So if you don't like grammar, just stick with me, okay? What, we're gonna talk about like, what is the subject of the Bible? Do y'all remember that from, uh, from when you, I'm teaching it to like Ellie, like subject is what the sentence is, you know, like that's what the sentence is about. So what do you think the subject of the Bible is? Do you think it's us? Like sometimes you can look at the, do you mind going back to that? Yeah, you can look at this and be like, oh, this was all for us. So like, we're the subject of the Bible, right? No, no, we are the object of the Bible. We are what the subject is getting to and what he is, is after, but the subject is Jesus. Jesus is the subject of the whole Bible. And that's important for you to understand because now whenever you're reading the Bible, if you just look for Jesus, you're going to see him. You'll see him in Genesis all the way to Revelation because he's in there. And if you start that and you're like, I don't see Jesus, go get a Jesus storybook Bible. It sounds silly, but that Bible has, God has used that Bible to speak more truth into my life than a lot of other books because it's a, it's a kid's Bible, but it's written in a way that it points to Jesus every single story. So it's so cool to see how is Jesus in the, the Tower of Babel because he's in that story. How is Jesus pointed to from David and Goliath? Because he is. Like how is Jesus pointed to from Joseph being put into slavery? Like he's in every single thing. The Bible is always pointing to Jesus because he is the subject. So you mean Jesus in the Old Testament? I do. I mean that. Jesus is in the Old Testament. Jesus said it himself. In John 5, 39, he said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. And you have to remember this is in the New Testament, which means the New Testament wasn't written yet. The only scriptures they had to reference are the Old Testament. So this is Jesus saying the Old Testament points to me. So if Jesus is saying that, we can know it's true. And, um, oh, sorry. Okay. We have the subject. Let's look at the verb. What do you think the verb of the Bible is? I, I would say there's no wrong guess. There is a wrong guess, but it's okay to be wrong in church. Does anybody know what they think the verb of the Bible is? Love, live. Okay. So, close. The verb of the Bible is really give. It's give. God's love spurred him to give, but the verb of the Bible is give. And we can sum that all up in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but has eternal life. Give is the verb. That's what it boils down to. Jesus gave. Jesus gave, and that's why that's our response. Jesus gave his life to us, and so now we get to give our life back to him. We get to give him our plans. We get to give him our future. We get to give him our family, our finances, our faith. We get to give all of that back to him because he gave back to us. And then we get to take it one step further. First John 3.16 
says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So we give our lives to Jesus and then we get to lay down our priorities. We get to lay down our preferences. We get to lay down all of these plans we have for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what the Bible is all about. The Bible is about Jesus gave. So what are we gonna do with it? We're going to give ourselves. That's what the church is all about because that's what the Bible is all about. Jesus gave. So I want you guys to go ahead and close your eyes, bow your heads. And I want to um, take just a second. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, my life is in chaos. I'm separated from God. I don't have any sort of relationship with Jesus. Listen, you are one prayer away from peace. This isn't a a magical prayer that's gonna change all of your circumstances, but it can give you peace and it can give you hope in the midst of it. And you don't have to have it together. It's okay if your life is chaos and you bring it to Jesus because Jesus is the only one that can change anything. So if that's you today, you guys can pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm in chaos and my life is a mess because I've been living my way. And today I give you my life. Forgive me, be the Lord of my life. I believe you died and rose again. And today I put my faith in you. Thank you for bringing the chaos into order and setting me free. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Listen, if you guys prayed that prayer, we would love to know so that we can come alongside you and encourage you in a new relationship with Jesus. There's a a spot on the top of the um, connect card that you can check, you know, started a relationship with Jesus, renewed a relationship with Jesus, whatever decision the Holy Spirit's stirring up inside of you. We want to give you that opportunity. Y'all give Pastor Steph a hand. Thank you, babe.